All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show. Your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis. Here's your host, Frank Saravalli. What's up, everybody? It's a Monday edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. Today is Monday, November 29th, and everything is happening. The Montreal Canadiens cleaned house over the weekend. Evander Kane was put on waivers, and oh yeah, there was a biting incident in the NHL. We'll dive into that. All that and more streaming now live on dailyfaceoff.com, Twitter, as well as YouTube. He is former New Jersey Devils captain Bryce Salvador and fresh off the Macy's Day Thanksgiving parade <laughs> float. Bryce, how was the experience in Manhattan? Well, it was a great experience. It's uh, When I look reflect back on it, I talked to you, Frank, about it off the air. It was just kind of a humbling moment when you actually take everything in. You're on this float. You're representing the National Hockey League, the New Jersey Devils. I was wearing the third jersey uh, the first time in public, and uh, and you're going down the float there with Anson Carter and you just you're waving and uh, you're just trying to take it all in and really, you know, like enjoy the moment. But I was happy the weather uh, really held out for us. Yeah, it did. Nice, uh, decently warm day for late November and certainly proud to see our guy Bryce up there on the float as I'm watching NBC. So really cool moment for all of us here at Daily Faceoff and, and we're thankful to have you on our team. So Lots to talk about from this weekend. Let's dive in, throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and drop the puck with the regime change in Montreal. A new era, a fresh start, as Habs owner Jeff Molson said today in meeting with the Montreal media. And the way I see this regime change with 
Mark Bergevin and his two assistants in Trevor Timmons and Scott Mellon be out is a workaround. New change in the paradigm shift in the way the Montreal Canadiens have been run previously. It's so important and it's a complicated issue as uh, Jeff Molson reiterated today, a unique circumstance needing a French speaking general manager. Well, one way to do it is to hire an American and an Anglophone in Jeff Gordon <laughs> arguably the best candidate available for the position to have his hands at the controls in hockey's cathedral while you have a French-speaking general manager that will be brought on board at some point, as Molson said today, sooner rather than later. What's your reaction to this development? Well, first off, when you listen to the press conference, it was apparent that, you know, being bilingual is important because it was just really you know, impressive to see how, you know, Jeff Molson really handled that. And so to manage the fan base in Montreal, which we know is can be very demanding, um, you need to make sure you get this general manager right. I did like how he said and stuck up for the fact that, hey, if they hire somebody um, that doesn't have experience, so did Mark Bergevin. And so I like the fact that they bring in Jeff Gordon and there might be some people wondering why, but if you go back to February, 2018, Frank, Glenn Sather, and uh, Jeff Gordon came out and did a statement talking about a rebuild in another marquee market being the Rangers. And so when you have somebody who is willing to come publicly and take on the fan base and do it the right way and talk about a rebuild, you need to bring in Jeff Gordon. He's got the relationships. He's lived it with the Rangers and the Rangers are doing as much as I don't want to admit it pretty good over the last couple seasons here. Yeah, they certainly are. And, and I think that was something that stood out uh, that Jeff Moulton mentioned today is you watch the success that the Rangers are having today. Uh, and certainly Jeff Gorton's fingerprints are all over that. When you look at the role that Jeff Gorton will play now working in collaboration with whoever he hires that is going to be that French speaking voice and face of the franchise to that demanding fan base. What is it about, you think, Jeff Gordon and potentially his personality here as we get into this rebuild uh, and, and as we, we speak about it, that was one of the other key talking points from Jeff Molson's press conference today was, I'm not afraid of the word rebuild. When you look at all that the Montreal Canadiens need here, they're not starting necessarily from scratch like another franchise might be. They have some valuable young pieces in a Nick Suzuki, for instance. Uh, a Cole Caulfield that they have, um, you know, potentially a, a goaltender to replace Carey Price in the future in a Caden Primo. They have some building blocks, but when you look at this Montreal Canadiens team, what is it that stands out to you that they need? Well, first off, you need an experienced guy that can deal with the cap issue that they have. They've got no cap room to start off with. They've got injuries. They've got some key players out. So Jeff Gordon can help, you know, really manage that whole situation of transitioning to move some players to create some cap space manage guys coming on and off which like he's done with the rangers and then just kind of really pass along some experience like how are you going to deal with you know carry price and the shea waiver situation that means so much inside the locker room both these guys you know when they come back if they're able to come back how that works inside the locker room and then really manage just the expectations 
for that new general manager and the fan base? Because right now you've got a forward production group that just isn't doing anything that's noteworthy. Like you have no one that's even close to producing a point per game. You've got Suzuki, you got Toffoli, they're both at 0.65. So you're going to have to find a way to put some firepower into that offensive uh, lineup and then defensively they're just an absolute mess without Weber you know you got Jeff Petrie you just signed him on you know to a six-year deal um uh, sort of four-year deal and he has only two points in 23 games we talked about him last week and this is a defenseman that he hasn't been able to get the job done and then even they bring in David Savard coming in and he's nowhere playing near his Stanley Cup form and so there's a lot to fix here but for me it starts with readjusting the expectations of this franchise and probably the worst thing that happened to them was that they made it to the Stanley Cup Finals as bad as it has that weird as that sounds is because they weren't expected to get there and you had your fan base that riled behind you now you get there they expect them to be the best team in the league right from the start and I'm not saying that's not warranted but any hiccup we knew there was going to be a disaster and we saw it start off with the, the Seattle expansion draft all of a sudden Shea Weber wasn't going to be available than Carey Price. And so it just didn't really start off the season well. So there's a lot to work to be done here. Yeah, and I don't think people realize exactly how many pieces you point to Shea Weber and Carey Price. But just in addition to that, are not back from that team that went to the Stanley Cup final last year. Philip Deneau, Jesperi Kotkaniemi, Corey Perry played a huge role on that team. So lots of changes that have the Montreal Canadiens near the bottom of the standings in the NHL. Let's change gears because, you know, to see the Evander Kane news placed on waivers on Sunday, no real shock, but the only shock is that there was so much else happening this weekend that the Kane news really took a back seat to everything else. Uh, so we'll see if he ends up clearing waivers today at 2 p.m. Um, I think everyone in the league is expecting that to happen, of course, especially with the term remaining on that deal at a 7 million dollar cap hit he is expected to report to the ahl also in san jose the barracuda his agent new agent dan milstein saying over the weekend that he's looking forward to reporting there uh, what are your expectations for evander kane and and does he find a way to work himself back to the nhl there was lots of talk and and his agent in a tweet dan milstein saying over the weekend that uh, they're actively you know, involved in trade talks to try and get him somewhere else. Do you see a team being interested in taking on Evander Kane at this point? Well, not at this point. And look, as a former captain, I'd be talking to you know, my coach, my general manager, who, whoever you know, is going to be making a decision of potentially bringing Evander Kane into that locker room. It's just, it's a, a huge distraction. We're talking gambling, we're talking bankruptcy, you know, potentially domestic violence, COVID violations. Like, it's just, the list goes on and on around him, unfortunately. And so just to bring that into your locker room, regardless of the fact that he scored 20 plus goals the last six seasons, and you know, he has 330 goals as well in his career, but I just think that there's a lot of damage that can be done to the morale, to just the camaraderie inside a locker room if you bring a guy like this in. And But we know it's a performance and result business in the National Hockey League, and he is a 20-goal scorer. He will bring you goals. And so as you get down to the stretch, um, as much as I don't want to happen to you know the Devils or a team that I'm involved in, um, I could potentially see a team saying, you know what, 
we've got only a few weeks left here. Let's make a, a run for it here. It'll be, you know, we probably have some cap space now, some cap room. It'll be light. Um, you know, maybe San Jose will eat half of his salary and, and they'll take a chance on him because, look, at the end of the day, he will score goals, but it'll be a big price to pay inside that locker room. Yeah, I mean, talented players seem to get five, six, seven chances. And uh, for me, what it boils down to is really quite simple. You can take all those things that happened this summer, the COVID vac fake vaccine card, uh, the domestic assault and, and abuse allegations, um, everything else that's come with Evander Kane. And, and what it boils down to with me is really simple. His teammates made it clear to Sharks management before the end of last season and in exit meetings that they didn't want this guy back. You have to read, you don't have to read hard through the lines, between the lines, to see their comments this season in that they believe it's been a more positive space since he hasn't been there. They're having their best season in a couple years, whether that's coincidence or not. Um, I just can't see a team that knows him best saying, we don't want this guy around to then have another team be willing to roll the dice, particularly with that kind of term left. But like I said, these uh, really talented players seem to get more chances uh, than the rest. So we'll see how that situation unfolds and we'll keep an eye on that. And one really interesting development this season for me, if you look at the bottom of the NHL standings at this point, as we hit the quarter pole in the season, is the team with the worst points percentage in the NHL so far is the Ottawa Senators. A big move for them over the weekend. Matt Murray being placed on waivers. It's been a disastrous signing. You see this, the Sens here on pace for just a 40-point, 45-point season. Uh, in a year in which the Sens were supposed to make a significant step forward. We've talked how bad things have been in Montreal. We've talked previously how you know dreadful it's been in Arizona. The Sens are beneath both those teams. Why, in your opinion, are the Sens where they are, Bryce? Well, I always go back to distractions that play in. And yes, Brady Kachuk, he did get his deal done, but he wasn't in training camp. That's a distraction to start off. Then you get hit with COVID. And then after that, you're scrambling. And then also inside the locker room, stability. Is there stability inside that locker room? Look at, you know, Cap Friendly. And you got nine forwards on the last year of their deal. So you got a lot of guys concerned about their future. And right now, other than Jake, you know, Batherson, like no one's really producing. Brady Kachuk is producing at his best rate of his career. So you got, you got to give him credit. But that whole forward group has 91 total points, which ranks him 30th in the National Hockey League as a group. And then, don't get me started on the defensive end. That's just where everything's really been awful. They've got a combined 31 points as a group, which is tied, which is tied for 29th in the National Hockey League. And so Thomas Shabbat, who signed his deal, you know, his third, you know, three years ago, he had 14 goals. This year, he doesn't have a goal in eight points. So as you look at where this team's at, there's a lot to be done here. I think right now, it's, you're dealing with confidence. You had, again, like distractions coming in at the start, you COVID. Now you just need a reset. And from the mental aspect, more than really anything, but when you look at the defensive structure, they're basically at the bottom of so many things, passes to the slot, slot, slot shots. And so when you start seeing numbers like that, and then obviously with the goaltending being where it is, it really makes it difficult to win. And this is, you know, anytime you have to send a guy down to the minors, that is supposed to be your number one. I saw that go through with the Devils, with Corey Schneider. It's, it really makes it difficult inside the locker room 
to play at your best and to have the right mindset coming onto the ice. Because if you know that your goaltender is not going to be stopping the puck, you play differently. You play on your heels. You 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 force plays. You you miss coverage because you're trying to take away a shot that you shouldn't try to tip. And so it just changes the whole complexion of your whole team and how they play. Yeah, and that's certainly been a contributing factor, but I think Matt Murray and his play in the Ottawa Senators goaltending, it's certainly more multifaceted than that. For a team that at the beginning of the season, we were having the conversation, can they be knocking on the door in the playoffs in the Atlantic Division? Man, there's a whole lot of work to be done in Ottawa. Speaking of the Sens, let's get into this weekend's incident in Los Angeles with this week's edition of Ask Peelzy. Pleased to welcome back to the program former NHL official Tim Peel. Tim, uh, lots to talk about and unpack here with uh, the alleged biting incident between Brendan Lemieux and Brady Kachuk that took place over the weekend in Los Angeles. First, just give us a little bit of background here. What's the precedent and how often are we talking about biting in the NHL in, in terms of your history on the ice? Well, that's a great question, Frank. I can tell you in 23 years in the league, I never had an incident where a player bit another player. It just, it, it's something that just doesn't happen in our sport. And ironically, this happened between LA and Ottawa. And the last time an NHL player was suspended for biting another player was actually an Ottawa player in Yarko Rutu back in 2009. Now he only bit the glove of Andrew Peters, but he received a two game suspension. And to me, this is, you know, my dealings with Brendan Lemieux on the ice. Uh, he's a player that I don't, I don't think respects the game. I know he certainly doesn't respect the officials. Uh, and Brady Kachuk's comments about his teammates not liking him and so on. I can't speak on that, but I know personally dealing with him, I don't think he respects the game and I don't think he respects the players. And what he did here is, is, you know, maybe the apple doesn't fall far from the tree in, in regards to who his dad is, because there's a couple things that I want to talk about with, with Claude Lemieux. You know, you asked Chris Draper what he thinks of, of Claude Lemieux. And I remember Pat Burns was the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. A lot of people forget this, but Claude Lemieux was well known for staying down on the ice and pretending he was hurt. And there was a game in Montreal when Pat was coaching and Pat stopped the trainer from going on the ice to actually assist Claude Lemieux because he was tired of him embellishing and always trying to uh, pretend, well, not trying, he was pretending he was hurt all the time. Well, hey, PLZ, how's it doing? Good, Sal. Good, yeah, it's uh, nice to finally talk to you on the DFO. And this is one of those situations where when I came into the league in the 2000s, it's, uh, you know, we had brawls still and line, what I mean by brawls, not bench clearing, but line brawls. And, and at times you, there was a, you always had that level of respect. If your hand happened to get into somebody's mouth or in a situation, like I never was bitten and nor did I really cross my mind to think that I was going to bite somebody. And, and I think right. that for this to occur, especially today, there, I almost think there has to be a little bit of like kind of hatred, like to really think, Hey, I'm going to go out of my way to bite this guy, you know? So that's where I'm a little bit concerned just from being a lot of these scraps and 
been in these these battles and these heated the moments at least in today's game um that that something like that would occur and and brady kachuk you know him very well i know him you know the family mm-hmm. well the integrity there so you know he's not making that up and so it's an unfortunate thing to see and, and what i'd like to know, get your opinion is how many games you think that brendan lemieux is going to receive here i i honestly think he'll i think the league has to really uh set an example here that this will not be tolerated this is a classless disrespectful act and I think he'll receive a 10-game suspension for this, and rightfully so. And for for him to, to you know, I, I equate biting to spitting. Those are the two worst things that you can do in hockey is biting at a person and spitting. And to me, it just shows, as you mentioned, a, a complete lack, lack of respect for your opponent and, and more so a lack of respect for the game. I love that yeah. you put a stake in the ground there, Tim, uh, with that 10-game <laughs> number. We'll see where that ultimately comes in at. Um, Brendan Lemieux having his hearing with the NHL. Uh, I believe he was offered the the option for an in-person hearing via Zoom. That's going to be held on Tuesday, so we'll see where that ends up. Wanted to get your take quickly on an issue that's popped up around the league in the last number of weeks. We talked about it in the beginning of the season with P.K. Subban. Uh, and the, quote, dangerous trip that we've now seen some additional fines for actually the NHL calling it slew footing. What's the trend that you're noticing, Tim? You know, I, and Sal, you know, played for a long time. And I don't remember this being a, an issue, Bryce, years ago. You know, I watched the Marshawn play last night. I watched uh, Hartman the other day, uh, slew foot. And, and, and I may sound like a bit of a hypocrite here because I, on Twitter, I defended uh, PK, and when I said he defended him, I, I talked to him because PK, as we know, is a tremendous human being and the, the work that he's done in charity. And, and PK's never been suspended in his entire career. So obviously, he's not a dirty player. And it's something that he goes in wide to the boards. And, you know, obviously, he's got to correct this part of the game. But last night, that play in Vancouver with Marshawn, that Vancouver player's two, three, four uh, feet from the boards, he could have been seriously hurt. And I'm not quite sure. In the rule book, it states that if if an injury occurs on a slew foot, that a match penalty should be called. And I, I think our officials on that play and the Hartman play, I think that if we called a match penalty on the play instead of a two-minute minor, because what I have a tough time wrapping my head around is we call a two-minute minor for a little hook on the hands, but we call the exact same penalty for somebody kicking their feet out. And we obviously know which one is much more serious. So I think that Department of Player Safety, they do a good job. It's a tough job, but I think at some point they're going to have to suspend one of these players that intentionally slew foots uh, their opponent. We've well, seen I agree the, with you, PLZ. Oh. We've seen the crackdown in, in cross-checking guys. Maybe we'll see a little bit of a crackdown in slew footing as well. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, thank you to Tim Peel for some biting commentary, if I should say. Really appreciate your insight, <laughs> expert opinion as usual. And you can hit him up on Twitter, hashtag AskPeelZ if you've got a question in between our segments. We'd love to run a Tim Peel mailbag on dailyfaceoff.com. Thanks so much for joining us, Tim. This has been another edition of Ask PLZ.
All right, Bryce, it's time for our daily face-off inbox question of the day. Hit us up on Twitter, hashtag AskDFO. We'd be happy to answer your questions. And another thing that got lost in the shuffle over the weekend, Chris Russell from the Edmonton Oilers becoming the NHL's all-time shots blocked king, uh, uh, passing Brent Seabrook, hitting the 2,000 block shots mark. Yes, this is only a stat that has been kept since the first lockout in 05-06, but still an impressive total nonetheless for Chris Russell. You see where he ranks here with 2,003 block shots now for his career. All of those guys beneath him, uh, certainly towards the, uh, if if not Duncan Keith, the last one still standing in his career. So certainly seems like Chris Russell is going to continue to add to that number. Bryce, is shot blocking an underrated skill, do you think? It sure is. Uh, this is one of the parts of the game that I really took a lot of pride in. And uh, especially if you kill a lot of penalties, it's an art and also a mindset Frank, to be able to time it and also be willing to sacrifice your, yourself, quite frankly, um, to when that shot's coming. And, and you're right, it, the block shotting, uh, the, the stat wasn't tracked until 2005, six season. And, and so I actually had to go back and extrapolate, you know, what my total shot blocks could have been. And I, you know, my rate was 1.76 block shots per game. So if they had, you know, calculated my first four parts of my season, I would have been at about 1,383 or 84-ish uh, uh, around there. So it, it's, it's one of those things there. that, yeah, yeah, little brag. But it was one of those things that really came in, actually started in the early 2000s. And so a guy by the name of Jay McKee who signed a massive deal. I don't know if that name rings a bell because he signed with mm -hmm. the St. Louis Blues. I think it was like a four, four million, four years, something like that, because he from Buffalo, because he was the leading shot blocker. And that just changed the whole dynamics of like every like defenseman like myself saying, well, geez, I'm going to start blocking shots because this is a way that I can, you know, quantify some value and have a comparison to a guy like, you know, what Jay McKee was doing. And so that was a, a pivotal moment in the 2002, three, four, five, six years where shot blocking was being recognized as, like you said, an art as a skill is something valuable for a player to bring to a team. Wow, 1.76 bullets per game. That is a lot. And certainly even at 1383, you said long way to go to 2000 yes. and Chris Russell. So we certainly tip our hat to him. Let's get to our daily face-off best bets of the day. Tyler Uremchuk, I decided to follow your advice on Saturday night and didn't exactly work out for me. No, uh, Saturday was not a great day. We went one and two, nailed the Nazem Kadri prop, but missed on the two teams in Florida and Nashville that I thought would win. But we look to bounce back here tonight. The record is still good on the year, 44-24-2, plus 15 units. So let's dig into what we got tonight, courtesy of our friends over at PointsBet. Uh, you know me, I like betting against the Arizona Coyotes, but to be honest, that hasn't been going that well as of late. Like the Coyotes, even when they're losing games, they're not losing games by a lot of goals. But tonight... I like going with the Winnipeg Jets in this matchup, and I'm taking them on the puck line at minus 125 there. After getting yanked on Friday, Connor Hellebuck bounced back really nicely on Saturday with a 944 save percentage. He's the likely starter once again tonight. 
for Winnipeg. Winnipeg's been a really good home team as well. 7-2-1. and one. Not only that, but they've actually covered the puck line in five of those seven games as well. So I like the Jets to pick up another victory here again after snapping their winless streak on Saturday night. Jets on the puck line is play number one. And number two, I'm going to that Kraken Sabres matchup, but I'm actually going with a player prop. Frank, I'm going with Yanni Gord to pick up an assist. It's a very juicy plus 210. And plus 210 means the sportsbooks are giving it implied odds of about 32% of happening. Well, Gord's picked up four assists in his last four games. Three of the last four as well. He's playing power play two. He's playing on the second line. I think there's good value here in Yanni Gord to pick up an assist at plus 210. So Yanni Gord assist, Jets puck line. Those are my two plays tonight. And Tyler, one of the things I had texted you about, Kale McCarr over the weekend, the player prop, you were like, he's a lock to get two shots a game. The over-under <laughs> in your book, one and a half. So, of course, throw a little coin on that. Kel McCarr ends up with three assists and one shot on goal. It was only the fourth time this Man. season he's been held under two shots per game. So thank you for that. So uh, all yeah. in good fun. That's our daily face-off best bets of the day. And speaking of Kel McCarr, Bryce Salvador, as we get to garbage time, what's caught your attention? What's grabbed your eye about Kel McCarr and his game? Well, his points per game right now, and this is the guy that I picked to win the the Norris Trophy or the Norris Trophy. Yeah, so another little humble brag. I really look at just yeah, yeah. So you know, at the start it was a little bit slow, right? And even just the whole team when we look at the Colorado Avalanche, and but he's coming to his groove. One point two five points per game right now is elite, and if we have to go back to nineteen ninety four ninety five season, Paul Coffey. He played 45 games that season, and his points per game were 1.29. And so that just shows you what kind of pace that Kale McCarr is on. And the next guy below Paul Coffey is John Carlson. And that was in 2019-20 season when he was at a 1.09 rate. So what Kale McCarr is doing this season, should he be able to continue this pace, is elite. You have to go back a long time to find another defenseman of any caliber to have a rate like this. Yeah, and I think what's so exciting about Kale McCarr's game when you watch him is that it seems sustainable. He's been close in that point-per-game region in the past, and so obviously he can do it, and the poise with which he plays, you watch his confidence with the puck, it is next level, and that skating ability is so, so smooth. So Kale McCarr probably would have won the Norris last year. I think some people thought he had a better season than Adam Fox. He just didn't play as many games, and that certainly got in the way in a short season in terms of voting. So we'll keep our eye on that and so much more. That's all the time that we have for the Daily Faceoff show today. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from around the NHL. On behalf of Bryce Salvador and Tim Peel and all who make our show happen behind the scenes, thanks so much for watching. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow at 12 noon Eastern. Thanks for watching the Daily Face-Off Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.